Hello, and welcome to Series 4, Episode 15. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Dad. How are you? I'm good. So you had seven artists this week. You didn't comment on that last week. No, and do you know what? It threw me off because I don't think I processed it last week when I was like, it weren't until I was doing my notes that I realised. And I was like, that's a lot. That's a lot of people. Because I had to like add an extra person. I was like, I didn't even realise. So, yeah, I didn't realise. It's because you only had 29 songs. Yeah. So, it was a nice uh, amount of songs, though, I'd say. It was a nice amount. Uh-huh. Hmm. So, um... Just to recap who you did have, who the seven were. So Howard Jones, Morrissey, Jermaine Stewart, Nick Kamen, Captain Sensible, Rockwell and Owen Paul. Hmm. So how did you find this week? Do you know what? This week, I think, really brought back that 80s sound. I don't think we've had that a lot with the soloists. Um, and I think it's a quite hard sound to get as a soloist because I think I've said it before, it's more about your vocals because it's just you, whereas a band, there's so many layers to it because you are a band. Um, so but I think there's been a few synth pop or like synthesizer sounds this week. So I've really enjoyed that. But yeah, there's not that I, I don't want to give too much away because okay. I didn't know anyone. So I surprised myself. I recognized a few. Um, but yeah, I'll leave it at that. Okay, no, that's fine. Um, how many number ones? Oh, well, right, that was a hard one. Because the artists were quite consistent in their style. So finding out like a standout song from an artist was quite difficult. So I really, I don't know, like I kind of went back after doing my notes and had to think about this rather than doing it as I go through. Um, I think the bar was quite high with this week as well. So I've gone for two from Howard Jones, one from Jermaine Stewart, and one from Morrissey. So four okay. I've gone So you've gone four. Yeah. There was just the one number one. Okay. So out of your four, which song do you reckon's the hit? Um, we don't have to take our clothes off. So you're going Jermaine Stewart. Okay. Let's see if you're right. Let's talk music. Let's talk Howard Jones. Yeah, he was a nice little surprise at the beginning of my week. Um, synth pop I've gone with. And he really started the week off. Like, he set a tone. He set a bar. Um, I think he's a very strong artist and feel he's been one of the strongest soloists I've had. Like he's talented in singing, playing instruments, and it really wouldn't surprise me if he was a songwriter as well. And I think he is purely 80s. Um, he's a musician with the keyboards. Um, he's a funny looking guy, though. He looks a bit like a scientist. Like he's a bit messy not messy but like unkept unkept we say um but yeah i'm keeping it short and sweet this week because i don't want to give too much away with what i think so they're all okay well howard jones is still touring and i actually got to see him 
last month in Cardiff. So I oh, am yes, a did, fan. didn't you? Yeah. So, um, yes. So he's from Southampton. Um, he's been active since 1982. He is, as you say, synth pop and new wave. He is a musician, singer, songwriter, and his mu his um, instruments are keyboards and drums. Okay. So, although Jones was born in Southampton, his parents are Welsh, hence Jones, and um, Jones spent well his early years in Cardiff. Oh, so what? So, hang on. Now, because you saw him in Cardiff. Did he say anything about being there and how it meant to him? Or yeah, yeah, he did. He did obviously mention about growing up in Cardiff. Would that have been one of his yeah. biggest shows? Would you say? Uh, possibly, yeah. I mean, obviously, I guess London would be. I mean, uh, I wouldn't say he's. I don't know where his main fan base would be. I don't think oh. he's seen as a Welsh. You know, like Tom Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you know. Howard Jones isn't seen like that, so um, right. yeah, I think um, it'd just be down to the 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 venue as to where oh, yeah. his largest um, fan, mm. um, audience would have been. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, so he, he um, although born in Southampton and his parents obviously being Welsh, they had moved back, and he uh, spent his early years in Cardiff, where he attended school, and he later attended grammar school in High Wycombe. Um, so Jones began taking piano lessons at the age of seven. Um, the family moved to Canada when he was a teenager. Right. And his first band was Warrior, a prog rock group. Isn't um, it funny how they most of them all start off in a band? Like, yeah. I don't think we've ever discussed a soloist where it's like they're just a soloist from throughout no, their whole no. career. Like, they've all started off doing a band haven't they yeah interesting um he then returned to the uk where he attended the royal college of music in manchester oh he's got about he? so yeah so um wales high wickham canada to so manchester well yeah born i don't think he really spent much time there it's just where he's born um, so Jones appeared as a solo artist in local venues in High Wycombe before inviting a mime artist, Jed Hoyle, to perform as Jones played behind him. A mime artist? A that's mime really, artist, That's yes. a really weird thing. Why? Different, I suppose. Get seen, get noticed. And I do remember him on Top of the Pops with the mime artist. He actually had him on Top of the Pops. He wanted to, I don't know, do something different and be noted. Mm, yeah. So in 1983, uh, in 1983, Jones hired the Marquee Club in London and invited record labels to come and see him perform. And then after a BBC Radio 1 session... Jones obtained support slots with China Crisis and OMD before signing with Warner Music Group. Jones has since cited OMD, whose Enola Gay song he often covered, as an influence along with Stevie Wonder. Oh. And he's been a support act for OMD as well. 
Yeah, so obviously, you know, I suppose if you I suppose whether he was a support act and then obviously enjoyed listening to him and obviously got influence from yeah. him, or whether he was or already an influence and then mm-hmm. ended up with him, I'm not sure which way round it was. Bear in mind, he was already um, a keyboardist with doing synth pop. Although, yeah. uh, well, I say that, obviously, he started out as a prog rock and obviously went to synth yeah, pop after. Anyway, so I, where, whether that was through the OMD link, I don't know. Yeah, may, yeah. maybe he found it. Like, because he so, started as prog rock in Canada, doesn't he? So maybe yeah. he found the synth when he came back here. Yeah. Bear in mind, he did piano, so piano, keyboard, mm. similar. Yeah. So Joan's first single, New Song, was released in September 1983, which reached the top 30 on the US Billboard Hot 100 at number 27. From his debut album, Humans Lib, which topped the album chart in the UK, and saw follow-up single, What Is Love, reach the top 40 on the US Billboard Hot 100 at number 33. He's gone right in. Two more singles were released. Hide and Seek and Pearl in the Shell, which although not having success in the US, they did reach the top 10 in Ireland at number 5 and number 2, respectively. So Pearl in the Shell got to number two. Right. Jones released new material in 1984 with the single Like to Get to Know You Well. From his second album, Dream Interaction, the single reached number 49 on the US Billboard Hot 100 and number three in Ireland. The follow-up single, Things Can Only Get Better, reached number five on the US Billboard Hot 100. So that was his breakthrough in... Um, in America, really, when you think of the, the yeah, biggest the chart, others were a bit... was number twenty-seven. Yeah, but that's still massive for them. Oh yeah, it's, as I say, to get on the hot one hundred is still good. So yeah, but but then getting get a number five is that number that's five big, is big, is big. Yeah. Um. So three more singles released from the album: "Look, Mama," "Life in One Day," and "No One Is to Blame." were all released with look mama charting well in ireland at number three and germany at number six does well in ireland so life in one day reached number 19 on the billboard hot 100 and number three in ireland while no one is to blame became jones biggest single to date in the us when reaching number four on the billboard hot 100 and also number four in ireland the album proved to be an international success when reaching the top 10 on the US um, Billboard Hot 200 when it got to number 10, while also reaching number four in Norway and number two in the UK. I wonder if I'm While it also topped the album chart in Sweden. So in 1986... Jones released his third studio album, One to One, which reached number 10 on the UK album chart, but was outside the top 20 everywhere else. While lead single, You Know I Love You, Don't You, which reached number 17 on the Billboard Hot 100 in the US. Howard released one more album in the 80s when releasing Cross Cross That Line in 1989. 
The album was outside the top 40 in all of its countries it was released in, while two singles were released, Everlasting Love and The Prisoner, with Everlasting Love faring the better of the two when charting at number 3 in Ireland and number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100. Howard Jones performed Hide and Seek at Live Aid. That was the only single he sang. Um, I find it really weird, like when you've spoken about Live Aid and how some of them just come on do one. Yeah, time well, I suppose a bit like Adam Man. They it depends where you were in the lineup and who was running over because some of the yeah, big acts. Yeah, yeah. Because who was it for Adam Man? Uh, Boomtown Rats oh. with Bob Geldof. That's it. I was going to say it was something to do with Bob Geldof. Right? So yeah. Um, so Howard Jones has since said the media's negative perception of himself. Um, he said, my songs are not about drug taking or debauchery or rock and roll. They're about positive thinking and challenging people's ideas. I wasn't fashionable. I never got good reviews, but I'm proud of the fact that I wasn't liked by the media. Aww. So there you go. Liked by the media. So yeah. So he said, pop music is so reactionary and bigoted, and I found that's what's cool is often very shallow and transistent. So he went against the prog rock that he started with. Then he obviously was like, nope, that's not for me. Yeah, I mean, he is. I've always known him as synth pop. So. And also, what was the year? <laughs> that last album that you were talking about, where he only 1989. Why didn't I have any of those two singles then? Did they not do well over here? They didn't. They weren't. Um, yeah, they weren't. Um, I'll have a quick look. What was I say? Um, I've never heard of them, to be honest. Um, oh, so they Everlasting well Love then. and The Prisoner. Yeah, because so, I, um, I I misheard the year that you said, and I was like, oh, maybe you said ninety, because I heard the nine. So I'm just like, where, why didn't I have them if they were in the 80s? Bear with me while I just quickly look. Everlasting Love was 1989 released over here. Got to number 62. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they didn't do well. The Prisoner, also 1989, got to number 98. Oh, okay. So yeah, not good. No, I mean none of his any all of his songs after um who what was the last one I gave you? All I Want were all outside the top forty. So you know I love you, don't you? Nineteen eighty six got to number forty three. Little bit of snow in nineteen eighty seven got to number seventy, then you got Everlasting Love, The Prisoner. Um, which I've just said. Lift Me Up, 1992, got to number 52. Let the People Have Their Say in 1999, got to number 99. And then he had another one in 2005, Slip Away, which wasn't him. It was Mojito featuring Howard Jones, but it only got to 82. Oh, okay. So, so, yeah. so yeah. obviously, um, he peaked in the 80s. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll go through the songs you had. Yeah. Um, now, you haven't gone for the number one from Howard Jones, but you no, did say but... originally of the four, there was two for Howard Jones. What were they? Like to get to know you well, and things can only get better. 
Okay. And I feel like the number one might be like to get to know you well now. So 1983, new song got to number three. This was a great start to the week, you know. Upbeat, feel good, really catchy. I was like, give me more of this. It was, yeah, fantastic start. Also 1983, What Is Love, number two. God, he's starting off good, isn't he? Uh, Really great chorus. And I think it's just like pure singing talent. 1984, the song he sang at Live Aid, Hide and Seek, number 12. See, I think this was one of my least favourites, you know. It's got a bit of a flute in it, um, which I liked. It's very different to the first two. It's a bit more calm, a bit darker. It slowly picks up, but not too much. I feel like it's quite zen. Do you know what I mean? So I'm surprised that was done at Live Aid. Okay, 1984, Pearl in the Shell, number seven. That's a good one as well. It's a good piece of music. Yeah, I like Pearl in the Shell. Really good use of instruments and the keyboards. He's got, you know, he goes a bit high-peached. It's very good vocal range. Um, Yeah, it was just a very good piece of music, must say. I did enjoy. Okay, still in 1984, like to get to know you well. Probably his most known one. Um, number four. Oh, okay. Oh, I've not gone wrong then. This was my favourite. It's such a great song. Like it's lyrically, lyrically good, really catchy, got re- like upbeat tones. Um, I went back to it more than once. And I like halfway through the week I was like, Connor, you've got to listen. No, it was at the weekend. I said to Connor, I was like, Connor. You've got to listen to what Dad's given me, right? And I just played two songs of um, Howard Jones. Like to get you know you well was one, and new song was the other. And Connor prefers new song. No, I prefer so new I prefer. song. Oh no, I prefer like to get to know you well. And the but charts go with new song as well. Yeah, they do. Um, Nineteen eighty-five. Things can only get better. Number six. This one screams 80s, like it's pure 80s, like true synth pop, I'd say. It's put together so well and has a really good flow. Uh, 1985 still, Look Mama, number 10. Okay, this was a bit of a weirder sounding one. Um, Catchy chorus though, and he goes a bit high pitched. Okay. Um, 1985, Life in One Day, number 14. Okay, I'm not 100% sure what he's actually saying. Uh, it's very fast paced, but it's a um, the background music's really good, like the backing beats and everything. Okay, so his biggest hit now in the US, 1986, mm-hmm. No One Is to Blame. Got to number four in the US. Yeah. Got to number 16 over here. Okay. This really shows off his vocals. It's slowed down compared to like all the others. Um, so it's a bit more pure in the vocals, I think. And then lastly, also 1986, All I Want, number 34. 
five, which I think then you see because obviously he, he never had a hit again after that yeah, as far as yeah. top forty, obviously because you haven't got any other songs. And um, yeah, you saw from earlier when I said about you know he was lucky if he got in the top fifty. Yeah, well that to be fair, I do agree. I think all I want, all I really got from it was that he's got a good vocal range. There weren't anything that really stuck out in the song, if you know what I mean. Okay. So, good start to the week by the sound of it. We'll move on to Morrissey. Yeah. So, I've gone with rock, synth pop. I feel like he shifted in the genre a bit. Um, So, I feel like he started off more synth pop and then moved into more of a rock era. Um, I like how he sings. I think it's quite a unique way of singing. His voice is a bit shaky um, and has a bit of a strain, but it doesn't sound, you know, like I can be harsh and be like, they can't sing. Um, And the way that I'm describing his voice makes it sound like he can't sing, but he really can sing. It's just this uniqueness about him. Um, He's just a plain and casual guy. Videos, likes, live performances. Um, what I'm intrigued about is whether there's like any background to like his songs because they have like these odd names. Oh, I wouldn't say odd, but like you know, like really in-depth descriptive name, like title. Um, and then he sings it, and it's like it does touch on the title, but I'm like, is it like a real life thing? You know, like when people sing love songs, sometimes they are literally to someone. And then you have songs that are just random songs, like, you know. So, yeah, I'm intri- I'm intrigued as to what his thought process behind the songs was. Okay. So you, you say he's a good singer. <clears throat> yeah, why? Who doesn't? Interesting, because you didn't like the group he was in. Oh, did I not? No. Oh, I didn't not even recognise him. I didn't even recognise this guy. And surely his name isn't Morrissey, so you can't say that I should have known based off his name. So Morrissey, born Stephen Patrick Morrissey. So they just went by his surname. Okay, I don't know who that is. He's from Davy Hume in Lancashire, Greater Manchester. He's a singer, songwriter and author, which is probably where he gets the... um, He's very song literate, so it's yeah, song yeah, titles yeah. and that. Um, he's been active since 1976 in the music business. Right. And his genres are alternative rock, indie rock, indie pop, and jangle pop. But there is synth pop in there as well. Okay, I was going to say, I can definitely hear something. So, Morrissey was born to Irish immigrants in Davy Hume. But they moved to nearby Stretford following the 1960s demolition of almost all the Victorian era houses in Hume, known as the Slum Clearance. Morrissey developed a love for literature and 1960s pop music. In the late 70s, he fronted the punk band The Nosebleeds. After meeting the band's guitarist, Billy Duffy, in November 1977. He then co-wrote a number of songs with the band and has 
since said his influences were bands he'd seen live at gigs like Talking Heads, The Ramones and Blondie. Now, I'll be honest, I would not have put Morrissey and Blondie in this. I'd never, <laughs> you know, put those two together. <laughs> talking Heads, I can see Talking Heads in his songs, but not Blondie. Not Blondie, no. no. Uh, so following the breakup of the Nosebleeds, Morrissey followed Duffy to join Slaughter and the Dogs. I'm waiting for a band I've heard. Okay. Mm-hmm. Briefly replacing the original singer. However, after they failed an audition for a recording deal, Morrissey left the band. Morrissey then considered a career in music journalism and Ooh. frequently wrote letters to the music press and was eventually hired by music's review mag Record Mirror. Morrissey was also a big fan of film actor James Dean and wrote a book about the American called James Dean is Not Dead. Okay, that's a bit of an odd title, isn't it? Oh, it goes in with his song titles, really. Well, yeah, it does, to be fair. So in 1978, Morrissey was briefly introduced to 14-year-old Johnny Marr by mutual friends at a Patti Smith gig at Manchester's Apollo. Sev- so that was 1978 you first met him. Right. Several years later, in 1982, Ma turned up at Morris's house to ask him if he was interested in co-founding a band. Morrissey has since said, we got on absolutely famously. We were very similar in our drive. The next day, Morrissey rang Marr to confirm he would be interested in forming a band with him. Thus, the Smiths were formed. Yeah, no, I didn't like them. Yeah, I don't remember. So after four albums, the band split in 1987. They had a few, um, obviously, hits as well. As you know, like the charming man, how soon is now, and panic. Yeah, and See, I don't um, fully remember any of them, which is how I know I didn't like them. Uh-huh. If I liked them, I would be like, oh yeah, I definitely remember that song. So after they split in 1987, Morrissey began a solo career. So he's quite late as well, if you think about it. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what? He's not been done too bad considering he was late. Six yeah. hits I've got. Uh, so by September 1987, he was working on his debut album, Viva Hate, at Wall Hall Studios near Bath. The album was released in March 1988 and reached number one on the UK album chart while also charting inside the top 50 on the Billboard Hot 200 album chart in America at number 48. While Morrissey's first solo single, Swayed Head, reached number two in Ireland, and follow-up single, Every Day Is Like Sunday, reached number three in Ireland. Following the success of his debut album, Morrissey started working on his second solo album, Kill Uncle, while releasing a compilation album, 
Bona Drag in October 1990. Um, and this was a, a compilation of his singles and B-sides, which included some independently released singles. In other words, they weren't on a studio album. They were just a non-album release. Um, such as Last of the Famous International Playboys, Interesting Drug, and Ouija, Ouija Board, Ouija Board, and is seen by many of his fans as his second solo album, although the album also has previous album singles, Suede Head and Every Day is a Sunday, on it. So it's sort of a... Like he releases an album and then his next album is like... It was B-sides and non-album singles. Yeah. But those singles done so, so well that fans see it as a second album. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But the problem is with that, it's also got songs from the first album yeah. on it. So yeah. it's a bit of a, yeah. Odd one, A weird, odd one, but that's Morrissey. <laughs> um, well, two future singles, November Spawned a Monster and Piccadilly Pilar, were also on this compilation album so um, weird. and they weren't on any other studio albums so there's like five songs on there that were released there's seven songs if you include the two from the previous album so, but then it, there's only two from the previous album so yeah and then another five on top so it's but like then, a best of <laughs> it's a best of when he's only had one album which you can't really have but yeah, it's a bit oh, of a so there was the two that I've got plus five more from the previous album. So you had, you know, you had the two hits from the previous album, yeah. and you had another five independently released, as in non-album singles. Oh, hang on, so they were, were on this as well before this album was released. Yeah, which you've had, right, which were okay. the I last know. of the famous international yeah, playboys, yeah, yeah. interesting yeah. drug, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Ouija board, Ouija board. Plus, um, November spawned a monster and Piccadilly Pilar. Right, I thought when you were saying they were independently released, I thought through the album they were independently released, but no, no, they they were were non album singles on their own as a single, as in independently, they weren't off an album, yeah, 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 and then they got put on this album, yeah, right. I'm with you. Yeah. Which, as I say, a lot of his yeah, fans class as his second album, even though it's got songs from his first album, um, and including would, the B-sides. Because, because the songs got released independently, they were never on an album. So no. you would class this album as that Exactly, and that's album. what So, fans, yeah, I get where fans are coming yeah. from. So his third album, or his second official album, yeah. Kill Uncle, um, that was released in 1991 and reached number eight on the UK album chart. While the two singles released from the album, Our Frank and Sing Your Life, both made the top ten on the US alternative play chart. While Our Frank reached number seven in Ireland. Okay, he's not done bad in Ireland. No, no, but then he's got irish roots hasn't he so yeah that's true so morrissey has released 14 studio albums in total not including bona drag so if you included that yeah yeah, yeah. 15 albums 
and that's between 1988 and 2023. He's still going. He's still going. So another, well, 2022, but there's another album, Bonfire of Teenagers, that's in production. Oh, he's even in the middle of doing another one. He really so Morrissey has had three UK number one albums, 1988's Viva Heart Hate, which was his first one, yeah. 1994 Voxel and I, and 2006 Ringleader of the Torment- Tormentors. So he's literally had a, a number one album in each decade mm-hmm. from the 80s through to the noughties. That's not bad. So he's not bad with his albums then. No. When you think about it. So in 1998, Morrissey won an Ivor Novello Award for Outstanding Contribution to British Music. He has also won 17 NME Awards from 1984, Best Songwriter, 1987, Best Male Singer, to 1992, Best Solo Artist which he also won in 1988, 1989, and 1990. So four oh, years wow. in a row, he won Best Male, Best Solo Artist of the Year for NME. Is, that a, is NME a certain genre? No, like... NME was a record bank. Like like, it was a more grown-up version of Smash Hits. I'd right, say, okay. probably. So it covered all genres, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all the magazines, pretty much. Well, Smash Hits <laughs> was probably more pop. That's what I'm saying. NME yeah, was yeah. a bit more grown up. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, so yeah. So in all, not bad for someone who wanted to be a writer. But you said that he is an author, so he has written. Yeah, he's well, he's an author because he's released a book, which was about. Oh right, so that's the so only one. That Right. He did have a uh, a brief career in music journalism. Yeah, which I think is pretty cool. You know, that's mm. not something that we've ever heard of before. Yes, we have. Have we? Neil Tennant worked for Smash Hits of the Pet Shop Boys. Oh. So, Morrissey, formerly of the Smiths. Um, you did give him a number one originally. Yeah, what was that? Um, interesting drug. Interesting drug. Okay. So Morrissey, 1988, Suede, Suede Head got to number five. Oh, okay. Well, this was my favourite. I think it's got great vocals and is softly sung. I think it was a nice start to him. Uh, sold him well, that one did. 1988. Every Day is Like Sunday, also in the top 10, number nine. Okay, this one was nice and calm and very beautifully sung. Okay. 1989, Last of the Famous International Playboys, also a top 10 hit at number six. Okay, this was where I started questioning his titles. Um, And I just thought this one was a bit weird, um, lyrically wise. Okay. It was a catchy song, I'd say, as well. Okay, 1989, Interesting Drug. You thought that might be number one. It was a top ten hit, as were all his four previous, if you've yeah. uh, three previous, right. so it's 
first four solo singles all in the top ten. Yeah. This one was number nine. Okay, so not one of his highest either. Um, interesting song, I'd say. Interesting drug, interesting song. But it is sung really nicely. I did enjoy it. Um, I just thought at the beginning, like, with each song, the title, if you can get past the title um, and not think too deep into the title, the song can be really nice and something that you want to listen to, if that makes sense. Okay. 1989 still, Ouija Board, Ouija Board. His first single, not in the top 10. Only just made the top 20, number 18. This one's just got a really repetitive chorus and it's got that same tone throughout. Okay. We're now going to the 90s with November Spawned a Monster, released in 1990. Again, not a top 10, but just outside at number 12. Okay, I'm waiting for it to pick up. Um, but what I do really like about it is he sings it with passion. And I really like the music. Like It's got some good beats in it. Okay. So now he did have some others before I go on to the last one. Um, through the 90s. So it just showed he, he was, he really was that, he was one of these artists that was still in, because he was late 80s. He managed mm. to, so he, he literally went from, the uh, the late seventies, early well, yeah. early eight. It was eighty two, I think we said, didn't we? That um, they formed the Smiths. Yeah. So yeah. he was with the band up until was... literally through the eighties, from eighty two to eighty seven. Yeah. Then... He then was a soloist between the late eighties, so eighty eight, to the nineties. Okay. Well, to now, he still is. So, a soloist. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, as in in the time. charts and what yeah, you know, peak. Time. Yeah. So. Um, Piccadilly Pilar, which I uh, did mention earlier, that was released over here in 1990. That got to number 18. Our Frank, which was off one of his albums that I mentioned, and that was released in 1991. That got to number 26. Uh, still in 1991, still off the same album, Sing Your Life got to number 33. We then had also in 1991 pregnant for the last time that got to number 25 these odd titles didn't he yeah uh still in 1991 my love life got to number 29 1992 we hate it when our friends become successful got to number 17 number eight uh, sorry number 1992 you're the one for me fatty got to number 19 uh still in 1992 certain people i know got to number 35 and then we come to the one i gave you and the reason i gave you this one is because it's we're now in 1994 with the more you ignore me the closer i get and it was a top 10 hit like he's kept these charts going, hasn't he? Yeah. Like, and he's released quite a lot in these four years. Yeah. And it was a top ten hit at number eight. Oh wow. Um, I just thought it was uh, on a more personal level compared to the others he'd had. Um, and it was a nice, loving-ish song to end on. 
with him. It was a nice little change, I think, as well. From yeah. what so he had some more all top 40, just to let you know. So 1994, Hold On To Your Friends, number 48. Sorry, that wasn't. That was just outside. That was his first outside. Then he had 1994, Interlude, number 25. 1995, Boxers, number 23. 1995, Dagenham Dave, number 26. 1995, The Boy Racer, number 36. Then he had another outside again, 1995, Sunny, number 42. So only just. 1997, Alma Matters, number 16. 1997, Roy's Keen got to number 42, so just outside. 1998, Satan Rejected My Soul, number 38, so just inside. And then wait for this, 2004, Irish Blood, English Heart, number 3. Is that Dutty's best hit, in it? Uh, number t uh, yeah, number five was up until then, so yeah, that is his best song, and that is 2003. Ben and Muddy started out as a soloist in 1988, and his next single in 2004, no, yeah, 2004, First of the Gang to Die, number six, also 2004, Let Me Kiss You, number eight. Also 2004, I Have Forgiven Jesus, number 10. So he's had four top 10 hits in the, in the early noughties. Mad. And can I just clarify, his number three, was that in 2004 or 2003? Because I swear you said 2004 when you introduced it and then said 2003. Oh, did I? Sorry, uh, 2004. And it, it got to number three. Okay. And he had another one in 2006, You Have Killed Me, that also got to number three. Sorry, that's quite mad. I mean, hats off to him because he's still going now as well. Yeah, and he's still getting inside. So his last top 40 hit was 2009, I'm Throwing My Arms Around Paris, got to number 21. It's been a while, but yeah, that's not bad going for an 80s artist. So, yes. So, wow. that was Morrissey. Mm. As we go on to Jermaine Stewart. Yes. So, I'm not 100% sure in his genre. I've gone with R&B, but I'm not confident. When am I ever confident, to be fair? But oh, True. <laughs> Um, I think he's quite a suave looking guy. I'm jealous of his hair. His hair is gorgeous. Um, and I feel like he's a bit of a push boundaries type of guy with um fashion and jewelry. Um, like half like new romantics, but he doesn't play around with um makeup. It's just how he dresses. Um, okay. so I. I'm not saying much about him. I'll just say about one particular song. Um, because like I said, I don't want to give too much away this week. But I will let you know this. So, we were in the car. And were we in the car? Yeah. And this song came on. We don't have to take our clothes off. And I said to Connor, because I think it was like my second listening. 
And I said to Connor, I was like, oh, this one I recognise. And Connor straight away said, yeah, gym class heroes. Now, do you know who gym class heroes are? Nope. Right, so they're from, I can't think, they're a band. Um, They're not about anymore. From when I was a bit younger, um, they didn't do many songs, but they had some good songs. But Connor then played it, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I recognise that. And they've like just sampled it. They've not fully covered the song. So anyway, I went, yeah, I don't think Gym Class Heroes is why I recognise it, though. And I said, I'm sure a woman sung it, and there's a, like, bit in it. And I did this, like, little bit, and it was, uh, I can't even remember what bit it was. But anyway, the song was playing, and I said, Connor, I'm a donut it's this song that I thought I recognised. Like, it's that. It's this song. So I thought We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off was sung by a woman. And I didn't even put two and two together when I was first even listening to it because I think when I'm listening to them on my own, I just have my thoughts, I listen to it, I carry on. Whereas me and Connor were actually talking about it. Um, but, yeah, so I thought that when I say I recognise the song... I thought it was because it had been like covered or whatever by this by a woman. It's not. I've I just recognised this one by Jermaine Stewart. So okay. there's someone that I didn't know about, but I recognise the song. Right. So Jermaine Stewart, born William Jermaine Stewart. He don't look like a William. Well, hence he dropped it, obviously. Yeah, I would as well. <laughs> He's not a William. So he's for Columbus, Ohio, in the US. He's been active in the music business since 1977. Quite a long time. He's a singer, songwriter and dancer. Mm-hmm. So he's R&B, pop, soul, funk and dance. Okay, so consider I weren't confident, at least it's in there. So Stuart's first gained recognition as a dancer on the locally produced TV show Soul Train, where he befriended two other Soul Train dancers, Jodie Watley and Jeffrey Daniel. After Soul Train relocated to the LA, or to LA, Los Angeles, the three friends auditioned to be members of the group Shalimar, which was put together by Soul Train creator Don Cornelius and booking agent Dick Griff- Griffey. Um, so Watley and Daniel were selected for the group as backup semi-lead vocalists, while Stuart missed out oh. to Gary Mumford for the audition of a lead vocalist. However... Stuart still toured with the new group as a dancer for several years. And while in London, he met Mickey Craig. Do you remember that name? No. Of Culture Club. Oh, Who realised Stuart was a talented singer and helped him put together a demo tape. Stuart also sang backing vocals on Culture Club's song, Miss Me Blind. Hey. 
as a result time and place sometimes isn't it mm. so as a result of his demo tape and his strong connection to culture club stuart landed a recording contract with arista records stuart saw some success with the single the word is out from the album of the same name the album reached number 90 on the u.s billboard hot 200 and number 30 on the US R&B album chart in 1984. So bear in mind, he's been in the business since 1977. He's Not only really just done, got... But he was a dancer, wasn't he? But yeah. Stuart's second album, released in 1986, was called Frantic Romantic, which had the track We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off. The song became a global hit when peaking at number two in Canada, as well as being a top ten hit in Ireland, number four, and the Netherlands, number seven. While on the Billboard Hot 100 in the US, it charted at number five. I don't know if that's going to be my number one. The second single, Jody was released with the inspiration behind the song being his friend, Jodie Watley, who obviously yeah, went to show it, Yeah. It reached number 42 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 9 on the Billboard Dance Club Play Chart. In 1987, Stuart appeared in the video Never Say Never by Denise Williams. Stuart's third yeah, album. Unlike a singer, he was yeah. still doing a bit of dancing then. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Stuart's third album, Say It Again, was released in 1988 and was supported by a tour with his band The Party. The title track and lead single, Say It Again, reached number 27 on the Billboard Hot 100, as well as making the top 10 in Ireland at number 8 and Norway at number 10. His fourth studio album, What Becomes a Legend Most, was released in 1989 but failed to make an impact, not charting on any of the major charts, while the lead single, Trenda Amour, just made the top 100 in the UK. His next three singles, Get Lucky, Don't Talk Dirty To Me, and Is It Really Love, found success in Europe, particularly in Germany, where Don't Talk Dirty To Me was one of the top five selling singles of the year in 1988. Random place to yeah. be made big. While Trenda Amor was featured on the soundtrack to the film She Devil in 1989. Stewart also sang Hot and Cold, co-written with Andy Summers of The Police. Okay. which was featured on the film Weekend at Burnies. I'm not very good with soundtracks. Stuart released a further album in 1992. However, it was withdrawn by Reprise Records, although some fans did get copies of it 
The album was was called Set Me Free. Why was it withdrawn? I don't know. Oh, interesting. So Stuart, who was openly gay, died of an AIDS-related liver cancer in March 1997. His burial site was left without a tombstone or even a grave marker for over 17 years. That's so rude and disrespectful. Like, what What was his family doing? I, I don't know. I mean, whether they, I mean, you don't know how, what money, foreign financial situations were, or, you know, whether um, when he got fame, they fell out. You know, I, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. It's, it, you know, so it, the main thing is that, you know, unfortunately, um, when he died, um, as I say, they could have disowned him because he was gay. And yeah, again, I don't know. I'm not, you know I don't want to say that because it might not have happened, but there could be lots of um, mm. different different things. And because I haven't, there's nothing to say what it was or what yeah, the like, reason was for it. it. Um, it wouldn't be right to, to say. But um, mm. yeah, so he died when he died. Um, he was uh, only 39. Shut up. Yeah. Um, however, in 20, so bear in mind, he hasn't had a tombstone. His grave hasn't been marked for 17 yeah. years. In 2014, his grave finally received a headstone paid for anonymously by a fan. Play. So, you had three songs. I did. I and... We're still looking for this number one, this elusive number one, which yeah. you have pinned your hopes on, being we don't have to take our clothes off, mm -hmm. which, um, as I say, it got to. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be because it was like number five. Number two in Canada. Oh. Yeah, number four cool. in Ireland. Number seven in the Netherlands and number five in the US. Yeah, so kind of countries that you look at us as yeah. you know, roughly the same. So, nineteen eighty six. We don't have to take our clothes off. Was a top ten hit. Yeah, I'd expect it to be that, and I'd say top five. I'm and hoping right, number one, but I don't. Think it was in the top five. Yeah. It was in the top three. Okay. It was in the top two. Okay. So the number one that we've been looking for, could it be 1986, We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off by Jermaine Stewart. It charted in the UK at number... Two. You love a build-up, you do, don't you? And I should know it by now. You don't build up the number ones. You just drop it and wait for me to go, what? So I should have known that weren't giving you number one. You yeah. built it up too much. Ah, hang on. Oh, it was re-released okay. in 2011. Right. And this Tell time... me why I recognise it then, because of the re-release. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This time, 
He got two. Number 29. <laughs> That's not very good, is it? <laughs> well, you say very good. It's an 80s song, so... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Forgot about that. I just look at the charts and I'm like, oh no, you've not done well there. <laughs> about what what year it is. People back in 2011 began Jermaine Who? You know, I, I mean, the people have died. I'm still like Jermaine Who. Okay. Oh, yeah, like he was proper dead by then. Yeah. They yeah. proper dead. Like when you're dead, you're proper dead anyway. But yeah. like, he was yeah. like gone for years. So I wonder why it got re released and who decided that. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Maybe um, at the back of the Jeff Clark or whatever it was. Yeah. Or was it you called it Clark's group? So it may have been that they um someone right. you know, mind due they've been on downloads as well then. People were downloading probably the wrong Not song. Really <laughs> in two thousand eleven. I don't know how no. long you think we've been downloading for. Uh, I thought it was... Nah. No. Mm, yeah, but not to the extent that it is now like you would have still been paying for individual singles uh-huh. so itunes um, okay but yeah so we don't have to take our clothes off got to number two uh, yeah and that was very catchy upbeat very sing-along like i said i recognized it okay I've got a number one to find 1988 say it again also in the top 10 okay number seven Okay, I'll take that. That was my favourite. Um, it's not got many lyrics, but that doesn't take away from like how much of a good song it is. Um, like it's not too simplified, it's not too repetitive. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And then 1988, Get Lucky, got to number 13. Okay, this has more of a focus on the vocals. And I feel like the vocals change during the verses compared to the chorus. And I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Okay. So I can see why it was 13. It was still a good one, but yeah, I can yeah. see why it was lesser so. Okay. Moving on to Nick Kamen. And we've still got that number one to find. Oh, do you know who it might be? Captain Sensible. You what? I think it might be Captain Sensible. You what? Shut up. You what? You <laughs> what? <laughs> You're a bit slow there. Only okay. once. I only fell for it once. Um, We're not yeah. at Captain Sensible yet, though. No, We're at Nick Kamen. So Nick Kamen. This is the uh, guy that you meant when we were doing Eric Carmen. And you got your names muddled up. Um, I think he's a bit of pop, and I think he's very smartly dressed and put together. And do you know what I like about this week? Like, you've got Jermaine Stewart and you've got Nick Kamen, and they've only got three songs, but I've it was a like nice amount for them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't feel like I needed to go out and listen to more. Um, and that's what I mean by this week. The soloists have been very consistent with their um style so yeah i think oh do you know what? he's very he looks quite young as well and i think okay. his music's very calm compared to what i have had this week okay so nick Kamen is from harlow essex he's been active oh. in the music business since 1985 
Um, he's a singer-songwriter, musician, plays the guitar, and he's also a male model. Oh, actually, yeah, I can see that. Oh, wait, but also the Levi advert. So. <laughs> you hadn't mentioned that. Yeah, I had. Um, right at the beginning, you weren't listening. Oh, I said, okay. this is the guy that did the Levi yes. advert when you were talking about Eric Carmen. Yes, that's right. And um, his um, genre is pop. Did I say that? I've written it. I don't think I said it. So, in 1982, Cayman appeared in the video of The Damned Don't Cry by Visage. He then came to the public's attention when he featured on the cover of magazine The Face. The picture was of him wearing a ski hat, lipstick, an orange roll neck sweater and aviator sunglasses. What a look that sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1985, he appeared in the Levi's advert known as the Laundrette commercial. Yes. The Levi's... And I have watched that since I've watched it. Uh -huh. The Levi's 501 helped Nick Kamen's career while also helping the actual single that was um, the soundtrack of that um, advert. I heard it through the grapevine, which was re-released on the back of the advert and reached number eight in the UK, almost 20 years after the original had charted at number one for Marvin Gaye. Nick Kamen himself then went from model to singer after signing a record deal and releasing his debut single, Each Time You Break My Heart, a song written by Madonna. Hey. Who also produced the single. The song was a success. Throughout Europe, making the top five in Denmark, number two, Switzerland, number two, Ireland, number three, Italy, number three, the Netherlands, number five, Sweden, number six, and Germany, number eight, as well as charting on the US Billboard Dance um, chart at number five. So Madonna's original demo of the song remains one of many unreleased songs by the singer herself. So she was meant to, well, she wrote this song. She wrote it. She'd done a demo it, of it, and but then we decided never like, to nah, release it. And then gave it to someone else, i.e. Nick Kamen. Mm. Um, Kamen had a follow-up single, Loving You Is Sweeter Than Ever a cover of the 1966 hit by The Four Tops. Although Cayman's later singles were less commercial in the UK, they did well in, parts, in other parts of Europe, especially in Italy, France, Germany and Spain. While his 1990 single, I Promise Myself, written by Cayman, reached number one in both Austria and Sweden. So someone who started off as a model mm. only got into the business, you know, through, through um, I suppose, his popularity and someone yeah. signed him up. Um, he Not actually what, then wrote a song that got to number one. Although 
I mean, not in two of the um, known music countries mm. in Austria and Sweden, but nonetheless, it got to number one. Still a number one. His debut album, the self-titled Nick Kamen, charted at number 34 on the UK album chart, while in Switzerland it peaked at number 12. But his busy, bit, but his biggest success was in Italy, where the album reached number five on their album chart in 1987. Okay, so he's done quite well, I'd say. And that's yeah. one that he's written, isn't it? Yeah. He's quite talented then, you know. In all so Cayman released a further four albums between 1988 and 1992, of which none charted in the UK, while three charted inside the top ten on Italy's album chart. 1988, Us, got to number two. 1988, again, so one was obviously at the beginning of 1988, and the other one was at the end of. Uh, Loving You got to number seven. And then 1990, Move Until We Fly, got to number nine on the Italian album chart. It also charted at number four in Austria. So as I said, he was still popular in Europe. So his final album, Whatever, Whenever, failed to chart anywhere, and that was released in 1992. In 2020, a best-of album, Nick Kamen, The Complete Collection, a six-CD box set, was released. Yeah. That's a lot, isn't it? So Nick Kamen died at his London home cancer, which he had been diagnosed with three years before his death. Madonna paid tribute, saying, You're always such a kind, sweet human, and you suffered too much. Jeez. Stayed in contact with him in a way then, maybe. Uh, yeah. So, you had three songs when Nick Kamen. I did. The model turned singer. Mm. So, 1986, Each Time You Break My Heart. A song written by Madonna. Done very well across Europe. Yeah, it did. It was a top ten single chart uh, here in the yeah. UK. It's also in the top five here in the UK. Right. We're still waiting for that number one here. Eh? Mm-hmm. And this one was number five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't go, it was a top five hit. <laughs> um, it's calm but upbeat. Music and vocals balance each other out perfectly. And I think it's just a nice flowing song. Okay. 1987, Loving You is Sweeter Than Ever. Number 16. Oh, that's my favourite. I think it really shows off his vocals. It's a nice little love song as well. And when you get to the chorus, it's like a, there's a shift. Um, and it's not like the normal, the chorus is more upbeat. I don't know, there's just something else there. That it, like a different, I don't know, it's not just straight up like change from this is a verse this is a chorus um it does it really well i can't explain it i really like it though 
Okay. And then lastly, um, 1988, tell me, just got inside the top 40 at number 40. Okay, yeah, I would have put this down there as well. There's just less to it. Um, less vocals and more music. It, yeah, it weren't like the other two. Okay. So, moving on to Captain Sensible, who you're now... Who mm. was never in your first four. Do you know what? I might not have just scrolled that far down. <laughs> um, um, we're now literally with three artists left, still looking for the one number one. And you're it's now. It's got to be him because Rockwell. Captain Sensible. It's got over somebody's watching me or my favourite waste of time. Yeah, but I never think that people with only one song will be a number one. So it's got to be Captain Sensible. And the reason I didn't think it was uh, Captain Sensible, because I was joking that I didn't scroll that far down, but I think he's just not taken seriously enough. Like, his music's not exactly your standard type of song, is it? Um, so I've gone with a bit of hip-hop with him, right? And... I think you've spoken about him before. I feel like you've probably sung to me rather than spoken about who he is. And I don't know why you would have done that or what reference he would have had like in previous episodes. But he seems like he's high and he's a bit of a man child. And I need to know why he calls himself Captain Sensible because I don't think he really comes across as sensible. I think his music is like really early hip hop and rap, I think. Um, and he's good with his lyrics and he makes them so simple that you can't help but sing to them. Like you might not like him. Like if you're someone that doesn't like Captain Sensible, you're going to know his music. You're going to sing something of his. That's for sure. I'm telling you that now. Um, you and he dresses. Is lyrics. You what? Like... Stop! <sighs> Fell for it again. Anyway, and he dresses like a sailor. I can edit you out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you what? You what? You what? You what? You what? So he dresses like a sailor, so I think he really takes his captain seriously, doesn't he? Yeah. And, um... As you've now jumped ship, well, you haven't jumped ship. You've you've been found out that it's not them because we've already had them, yeah. and you're literally on the last three artists. So and it's you know. not going to be one with one song. Is um, it? So oh, what song are you going, which one I'm going for? for? Yeah. Uh... Oh. Oh. Oh, that's hard. Oh. Do you know what? I want to say happy talk, but I don't think he'd come in with a number one, so I'm going to go what? You what? You're going for what? Mm. Okay. You're not getting... You're going to have to leave it a bit before you get me okay. again. <laughs> so, Captain Sensible was born Raymond Ian Burns. It's like a Raymond. I could call him Raymond. He's from Balham in London, and he's been active since 1976. He's a singer, songwriter, musician. 
Um, so he plays the guitar, bass, and keyboards. Yeah. And his uh, genre is punk rock, psychedelic rock, and new wave. So, um, like Morrissey, we have mentioned it before, he was in a band. Yeah. I think, again, it was a band oh. he probably disliked. So um, okay. we will get to there. So he's known by his stage name, Captain Sensible. Yeah. He co-founded the punk rock band The Damned. In 1976. But you saying that he was to do with the damned yep. makes a lot of sense now. Uh-huh. And I did put it as a question because obviously you've given me damned on 45. Uh-huh. And I couldn't find that on Spotify. And on YouTube it was under the damned. And I was like, has he got something to do with that? But that's what he was mm. to do before he became a soloist. Yeah. Right, okay. That makes sense. Um so yeah, so um, he originally, um, when he co-founded The Damned, he originally played the bass before switching to guitar. Right. Um, Captain Sensible is known for his distinctive appearance, which includes a red beret, mm-hmm. sunglasses. Yeah. And he actually started out as a member of the Johnny Moped band before co-founding The Damned where he was also a keyboardist before becoming the bassist and then, as I say, the guitarist. And then, following the departure of Brian James, who was also the main songwriter, um, he then took on that as well. So he became the, wow. the songwriter for The Damned. Fair enough. He's quite talented then. So, like, he's yeah. a proper musician, isn't he? Yeah. So Captain Sensible left the band in 1980 to concentrate on a solo career where he released several songs with no success. So you had Millionaire, Disco Girls, Blue Shoes, all released in 1980, and Hey Joe in 1982, before he found success with the cover of Happy Talk, which was a Rodgers and Hammerstein song from the South Pacific musical. I don't know what that is, but okay. Which featured the backing band Dolly Mixture. This was later sampled by hip-hop artist Dizzy Rascal on his 2004 song Dream. Yeah, I don't know that one. I know Dizzy Rascal, but I'm not a big... I don't know a lot of his music. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that one. I wouldn't be able to say, yeah. So Captain Sensible had further hits in the UK and Europe with What, One Christmas Catalogue, and Anti Falkland's war song, Glad It's All Over, which was co-written and produced by Tony Mansfield of New Music who sang the Living by Numbers. Yes. Captain Sensible recorded the snooker song written Eh. by the Wombles, Mike Bat. So the bloke behind the Wombles thing, Mike Bat, he wrote the snooker song, which Captain Sensible sang, and it was used as the theme for BBC game show Big Break. 
Captain Sensible released seven solo solo albums between 1982 and 1996, with only his debut album charting in the UK at number 64. He's British, isn't he? Yeah, he was born in Balham, London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it surprises me that he's not had any more than that. Yeah. He's seen as a bit of a novelty, though, to be honest. Well, that's what I mean by he's a bit like a man-child and I don't think yeah. he got taken seriously. In 1996, he rejoined The Damned following the departure of Rat Scabies. Sensible yeah. co-wrote Grave Disorder, the band's first new studio album, for almost eight years in 2001. Captain Sensible is also a member of the supergroup Dead Men Walking, which has Mike Peters from The Alarm, Kirk Brandon from Spear of Destiny, and Slim Jim Phantom from Stray Cats amongst its members. So, Captain Sensible. Oh. Three, well, sorry, four songs. But you didn't. There's no reason behind his name. No, I couldn't find. It was just a name that he obviously came up with. Which obviously is two things he's not. Captain and Sensible. What a weird man. So, yes. He's a funny man. Even. It's a bit like the doc. I mean, I mean, the, the Damned were a, a similar group to, um, I can't think what, the Doctor and the Medics, where right. you had the Doctor. Who I absolutely adore. So, you know. Yeah, but he, I don't know. I don't know. So, yes. So, so Captain 1982, Happy Talk, a cover, was the number one this week. What? Oh, and you heard me go, I'd like to go Happy Talk, but I don't think it'll be his first one. Happy Talk was my favourite, but I am annoyed that it's a cover. Yeah. When you said it's a cover, I don't know if you clocked me going, that's a cover. Yeah. That was really disheartened because obviously I know it's my favourite. It's so weird, but so catchy. Um, it's just a good tune. I really like it. I'll take that as the number one. Yeah. Okay. And in 1982, what? Number 26. Oh, so I'm going to be honest. I don't pay attention to this song very much, but the core, but then the chorus comes and it draws me back in. I'm like, yeah, you what? Because it's so catchy. It's simple yet effective. Like you don't even yeah. need to know the rest of the song. It could just walk around going, you what? You what? And I'd be like, yeah, all right, you what? Like, yeah. <laughs> It's he's a funny man. He has some funny songs. I can't yeah, I kind of want to know what else he's got. And in 1984, the double A of oh. Glad It's All Over and Damned on 45, which obviously is to do with the damned, mm-hmm. or obviously Captain Sensible from the Damned. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that got to number six. Okay. So Glad It's All Over is more of a sing song. I feel like it's a bit more of a meaning behind it than just a random is a song. 
and then down on 45 like i said i couldn't find it on spotify um and i feel like it's a bit of a bit of a shifting genre like more rock and i think it's just a bit too harsh and for captain sensible and i'm trying to think so i would have had the damned wouldn't i and i don't think yeah i think you're right that i didn't like them because yeah damned on 45 isn't for me okay moving on to rock realm yeah so i've gone electro pop um i feel like i've heard his name before but Rockwell's not exactly that could be anything couldn't it um i so i only had one and i listened to two more so i listened to peeping tom which i thought was missing something so it was a bit more of a background song it didn't really give you much um and i also listened to obscene phone caller which shows he has a really good vocal range and it's got some nice layers to the song like it's, you know it's got a bit more to it um so did i did enjoy that one um and i just think he looks like a schoolboy you know but i was watch i don't know what video i was watching but i think he took a bit of influence from prince in his style gives me prince vibes with like his clothing and even his hairstyle yeah okay so Rockwell, born kennedy william gordy from Detroit, Michigan, US, active since 1971. He's a singer and songwriter, and he's pop, synth pop, and R&B. Synth pop, electro pop, same thing. So Kennedy is the son of Motown founder and CEO Berry Gordy, who we've spoke about loads of times mainly with the Jacksons. Domaine Jackson um, married his daughter um, and then stayed with Motown when the Jacksons left Motown. Um, So, yeah. So his father named him Kennedy after John F. Kennedy and gave him the middle name William after William Smokey Robinson, the singer. So Rockwell scored his secured his record deal without his father's knowledge, although it was with the label Motown. So although he although he got although he got signed to Motown and obviously, you know, yeah, it wasn't to do with my father. Can you imagine going to someone like my dad don't know I'm here, but can you give me a deal? And someone turning around going this is the, uh, the 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 record label's owner. It's his son. Am I going to say no? Mm. So it's like, but it's like he wants to be like my dad. I didn't get handed this. I've not yeah. been spoon like spoon. But the person who it. did give him it would have been working for his dad. And given, is yeah. he really going to say no? No, you're not. So yeah, technically, you have just. If he'd gone with a totally different record label, yeah, then you'd be a bit more proving yourself, wouldn't you? Whereas going to your dad's one, you ain't really got to prove much, have you? Yeah, no, exactly. It's a real, isn't it? Because yes, your dad's not given it to you, so you've not been handed it. But But the person who adds would have been thinking about his own job. You'd have been like, I don't want to be down his yeah, what is his boss, his son? Yeah. 
So, yeah. Good try, Rockwell, but doesn't really... Anyway, so um, it was Motown then who proposed the name Rockwell and Gordy Jr., as he was known as, agreed to the change because he believed that he rocked well. I'll give over. So... In 1984, Rockwell released his debut and most successful single, Somebody's Watching Me. So it was his first single. With childhood friend Michael Jackson singing the chorus. Surely you notice that. Right, can I say something? You know, I said that he's got an influence on Prince. Yeah. I did nearly say that he's got an influence from Michael Jackson, but then I didn't want to. I don't know. So maybe I did, but... Obviously, Michael Jackson was obviously a big name on the Motown label. And um, he was obviously friends with Rockwell because obviously he got on well with um, Berry Gordy. Who and Michael Jackson's brother is married to Barry Gordy, Barry Gordy's daughter. So, so he's a brother-in-law to Rockwell. Yeah. Or not brother-in-law? No, his yeah. brother is a brother-in-law to Rockwell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So yeah, so he Michael Jackson sang the chorus, and and um. Jermaine right. Jackson. Oh, okay, there's more. Sanger's backing vocals on the song. Right, this guy. So I said I recognise this one as well. Um, so I don't know why. But I need to re-listen to it now to see if I can hear Michael Jackson and as to whether that's why I thought Michael Jackson went with Prince. But, yeah, this guy, he's not really had to do much, has he? Not really, no. He sort of got where he is for his dad. No so his dad owned the record label and his dad obviously knows Michael Jackson. And then his biggest hit is literally so, the Jacksons. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so um, the single charted at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 and number one on the Billboard R&B chart. Okay, fair enough. The single also charted at number two in Canada, number three in Switzerland, and number five in New Zealand. It was Rockwell's only commercial single, with follow-up single, Obscene Phone Caller, charting at number 35 on the Billboard Hot 100, and number nine on the Billboard R&B chart, while only making number 79 in the UK. Ooh, that's not good. Rockwell released three studio albums, 1984's Somebody's Watching Me, which reached number 15 on the Billboard Hot 200, and number 52 in the UK. In 1985, he released Captured, 
which only charted at number 120 on the Billboard Hot 200, while his final album in 1986, The Genie, only charted on the Billboard R&B album chart at number 59. He's not done too great, is he? No. In 2018, Rockwell was arrested in Hollywood for allegedly beating an associate with a chair. The woman who suffered multiple injuries from the attack underwent surgery to repair a broken arm and filed a lawsuit against Rockwell in LA for personal injury, claiming damages exceeding $25,000. It's mad that because you have to pay for your health care, that it's like they can do that. Yeah. Whereas like if someone did something to you, you wouldn't be able to claim any money for it. No. So... Over was here, it proven, was it proven that he did do it then? It, I couldn't see anything, so I'm guessing he probably settled outside of court. I don't know. They liked to do that back then, didn't they, Dad? We've had yeah. a lot of those. So, well, it still happens now. It's happened with Prince Andrew. Has it? He done a deal, didn't he? Yeah, that's gone very quiet. Yeah, that's true. So Rockwell, 1984, Somebody's Watching Me, with Michael Jackson singing the chorus and Jermaine Jackson singing backing vocals. <laughs> you may as well be part of the Jackson 5. Over here, it got to the number, it got in the top 10. Okay, yeah. Number 6. Okay, it was also re-released in 2021 and got to number 47. And then again in 2023, where it got to number 44. But whether that was on the back of Michael Jackson and, I've, you know, and whatever, I don't know. But, um, yeah. So I've recognised this song. And while you were talking just then, I did quickly put it on and just played the chorus. And I'm like, how did I hear that and make a note of it? Because that is so obviously Michael Jackson. Um, but yeah, I don't know why I recognise it. And unless it is because subconsciously I do know it's Michael Jackson and I just recognise, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I recognise it. It's very catchy. And the chorus is the bit that saves it. And I've legit written that. And I'm like, how didn't I? Um, recognise that that's Michael Jackson. Yeah, the chorus is the bit that I like the most. Okay. So lastly, Owen Paul. Yeah. Um, I've gone with pop. And I kind of understand why he has a great hit. Uh, no. I kind of understand why he only had one hit, uh, as it was a really great song. Um, and I listened to um, two more. Two more. So I listened to Pleased to Meet You, and that was quiet. I was just waiting for it to pick up. And then I listened to Bring Me That Bring Me Back That Spark, which just had like it sounded like his vocals had changed. Um and it was very different from the song. Like they're very different from the song that I've been given. Um so I can see why they wouldn't have been hits compared to the song that you gave me. Um, he has a bit of a rock look about him, and I think, but I think his music's a bit too upbeat for him to be rock. 
Um, but I won't be surprised if he is in the rock genre because of his style. Um, and he's just very young. So, Owen Paul is from Glasgow, Scotland. He's been active since 1986. He's a singer, songwriter, musician, and he's pop rock. Okay, so still got the pop in there, hence. Uh, Um, Why didn't I think of that? So, so he's a guitarist. So, Owen Paul is seen as a one-hit wonder with his cover... Of oh, American God. Marshall Crenshaw's song, My Favourite Waste of Time, which was a B-side to his 1982 hit, Someday, Some Way, which charted at number 36 on the Billboard Hot 100. Okay. So what Paul Owen Paul done was took a B-side song and made it a hit. Which actually I really like, but yeah. I didn't know it was a cover until doing yeah, this. That just lets I always down. thought it was Owen Paul's song. Um, so the song was also covered by Bette Midler in 1983, and the American Actresses version charted at number 78 on the Billboard Hot 100 and was on her album No Frills. So Owen Paul released a further three singles. Pleased to meet you, number 78. I've listened to two of them. And One World, number 87, in 1986. And then Mad About the Girl, in 1987, which got to number 92. So his album, As It Is was released in 1986, but didn't even chart, even on the success of... Um, my Favourite Waste of Time. My Favourite Waste of Time. But then I guess if you've only got one song that's made it, not anyone's yeah. written, like, you're not yeah. necessarily going to go out. Especially if you've already released other singles and they've not charted, no one's going to go out and buy the whole album, are they? No. They've got the single at home. So... um he uh, is memorable um, for a TV appearance on BBC Live program Pebble Mill. So live, just bear that in mind. It's a live program. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When he was meant to mime to My Favourite Waste of Time, mm-hmm. but missed his cue due to a technician's mistake. Oh. Now, I don't know whether he just sat there while the song was going or he was miming it completely out of sync with the song because it could have gone two ways. It could have been they panicked and said, there now, and he's started singing but completely out of sync or he didn't get the cue full stop and so the song's playing and he's just sitting there not singing. Yeah. I, either way, obviously, it didn't look good, and it was like, as I say, there's nothing they could do. It's live TV. Can't edit it. Can't go I back. Mime. Who was it that did? That um, we had a group. Yeah, I can't remember the group. Um, but it was on top of the pops that one, and then they yeah. got to go back the following week and do it yeah. properly. 
but yeah, I can't remember who it was. All about gone. Eve, all about Eve, something like that. So, I, know, a, I can't remember. Yeah. It was very um, back, 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 early series. Can't remember, but yeah, just don't get why people mime. So, um, I'm just trying to work out my writing here because I've got some asterisks and I don't know why. <laughs> So he spent some time touring with Mike and the Mechanics. Okay. And then in 2014, he released um, a new single, The One, which was his first single since 1987, and followed that up with an album release, About Time 11. Um, which... Um, he has since released a further, and I don't know what I've put. Um, so yeah, um, and then I've got an in two. So hold on. So I've, I've, I think I found out. So he um, he spent time touring with the Mike and the Mechanics, and the obviously, in, and he's in two thousand and two. He released an album about time. Yeah. Okay, right. and then um, in 2014 he released a new single okay, yeah, called yeah. "The One," um, which was his first single since 1987, and he followed that up with an album release about time two, because he's already released an Do album yeah, about yeah. time. Yeah, and he has since released a further album. Um, which was in the heritage chart or the singles. Okay, right. Um, so he now tours and appears on at 80s festivals, including Rewind. I have seen him. What do you think of him? Good? No? I like but I like um, my favourite one. Song. He's only got my favourite waste of time. Yeah, can't really sing. And it's either. a bit annoying now that I don't know it's that I now know it's, it's not cover. his. Yeah. Um so in twenty seventeen he released the acoustic eighties EP. Following the release in 2016 of two new versions of My Favourite Ways of Time, Part 1 and 2, to celebrate his 30th anniversary, or the song's 30th anniversary. Really roots in that, isn't he? My oh, Favourite Ways of Time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, My Favourite Ways of Time, which was released in 1986, got to number three. Oh. So, yeah, he really is a one-hit wonder because that's quite yeah. a one as well. Um, it's catchy. I think it's a good piece of music, but the only letdown is that the music was louder than the vocals. So, that brings us to the end. It does indeed. So, um, seven artists. Yeah. Hit or miss. Yeah. So, Howard Jones, you got a big hit there. I I think he's great. And I did write um like when I write like all my info um that I think of him in music. Um I did write I would see him live, but I didn't want to say that when I was talking about him because that gave too much away. But I would legit see him live. And I know that you sent me Did you send videos of Howard Jones? Did we talk about this and maybe you didn't because you didn't want to give it away? I can't remember when you went and saw him. Yeah, I did. 
I obviously I just spoke about him yeah, between but I don't us. Think he sent videos. I didn't post any videos. I don't think. Uh, I don't think he did. Um, no. But now we've discussed him. Can I have one? Because I want to see it. Okay. Um, I actually want to see him live. Uh, Morrissey is also a hit. Ooh. Yeah, see, I suppose about hit him. With the Smiths, but no, and I was thinking know. that. I was thinking that, you know, when you said, I was like, oh, well, I like him. Uh, Jermaine Stewart is a miss. There's your first miss. I like we don't have to take our clothes off. Um, and I do like, uh, no, hang on. I've written those the wrong way round. Jermaine Stewart is a hit because I've just then looked and I'm like, why have I done that? I like all his songs. Nick Kamen is a miss. I was going to say the way you were talking about we don't have to take our clothes off is you liked it. And yeah. You said say it again. Yeah. I've written them the wrong way around. It's very confusing when they're seven, you know. Yeah. Captain Sensible is also a hit. Mm. I think he's weird and wonderful. Take out Damned on 45, and I absolutely love his little um, set list that you gave me. Um, and I would actually go out mostly because, I don't know, it's not like he's someone that I'd put on and get in a big fan base of. But I'd I'd actually go out and listen to his songs and make you feel good. Um, and then Rockwell was a miss. Not a fan of um, Michael Jackson singing a chorus on a song. I no? said that was the only bit that saved it. It doesn't <laughs> mean selling the whole thing. Um, and Owen Poole was also a miss. Uh-huh. Well, I'll take that. And I did go out and listen to seven. other songs of theirs as well. So. The what, sorry? I said I did go out and listen to other songs of Rockwell and Owen Poole as well. Uh-huh. So I've kind of got that on it, haven't I? Yeah. Okay, so that leads me on to next week then. Yes. Are you ready? Yeah, see if I know anyone. Okay, Nick Kershaw. Seen him live. Yeah, okay. I know him. Jason Donovan. Okay, so I know that he's an actor, but I don't think I've ever listened to any of his music. Or is he known as a musician? He's more of an actor, isn't he? Okay, just don't give it a bit of both, really. Okay, early career, an actor, later career, musician, and then he became a DJ as well. He also done, um, he was the original Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat as well Mm. on stage. John Lennon, he's from the Beatles, isn't he? He is okay. Didn't know he had it in the 80s. Holly Johnson. Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Correct. Look at me, I'm doing well. Keep going. Jackie Wilson. I've heard of that one as well. Well, oh. there was a song by Dex's That's Midnight Runners. Yeah, no, I and they Jackie put up Wilson. the picture of Jockey Wilson, the dance player. Yeah. When they were singing the song, Jackie yeah. Wilson says. Yeah, I don't know Jackie Wilson. I know that song. Okay, glad you And then, that. lastly, you've only got six, Julian Lennon. Anything to do with John Lennon? 
Might be, might not. You could see the smirk. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, I know quite a few. your ones for next week. So, Nick Kershaw, Jason Donovan, John Lennon, Holly Johnson, Jackie Wilson, and Julian Lennon. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. we will discuss those next week. I look forward to it. I will send over the songs and um, enjoy. I shall. Well, hopefully. Yes. Yeah, and I'll let you know. Okay. Yeah. Speak to you next week. You will indeed. Goodbye. Bye, Dad. <laughs>